Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Acts chapter 16, I want to read a verse of scripture, verse number 13. I'm, I'm kind of going to do a little skipping around in the verses that I read here in Acts 16. So just follow me. Acts 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, and on the Sabbath he went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And he sat down, spake unto the women which resorted thither. Verse number 16 and it came to pass as he went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Verse number 25, and at midnight Paul and Silas prayed, and Brother Mason, they sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Lastly, verse number 33 here this evening, the Bible says, speaking of the jailer, that he took them that is Paul and Silas the same hour of the night which I consider must be referring to the midnight hour and washed their stripes and was baptized he and all his straight way he and all his straight way for a little while tonight I want to preach this subject matter unconventional revival unconventional revivals and if I may for the purpose of the word conventional if we can just define it right now unconventional means not bound by or conforming to convention rule or precedent amen unconventional revival let's pray right now father I come to you I'm asking oh Lord for your help Lord Jesus in this service I need you Lord in this place we have come in, Lord, with worship. We have come in with praise. And we have, Lord, gave, Lord Jesus, these songs of worship unto you. God, we have participated in them, Lord. I hope, God, as we were taught this morning, God, with thanksgiving and praise, knowing, God, that it impacts, God, the other portions of the service in our own lives. I pray, oh God, today anoint my mind, Lord Jesus. God, whatever you have placed upon my heart, let it, Lord, correctly and aptly, Lord Jesus, proceed from my mouth the way that you would want it to be. Lord, God, touch someone Lord through and by your word God enlighten it Lord shine Lord Jesus your light upon it I pray oh God and we'll thank you Jesus for what you accomplish and what you do in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say amen amen you may be seated tonight in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ amen and amen everybody say unconventional revival unconventional revival amen there have been some things that have transpired this week that caused my mind to think perhaps in this direction uh, for this evening's service uh, bishop and i have had uh, yet another uh, call to a home and among a family uh, to go pray in a house uh, that had some uh, wicked and evil activity that was going on in that home. It's not the first time that this has happened for us. It's not been our first rodeo, so to speak, concerning that. And so we met with this family, and we, we prayed, and, and uh, we tried to pray the God of all peace would enter their home and bring comfort and peace and rest into their lives. And uh, quite honestly, Brother Fred, you didn't know everything you got us into. And uh, whenever we walked into that house that day, there were uh, some other company there uh, that I was not expecting, amen. And to say the least, we had some uh, differing uh, beliefs of the word of God and such and so on and so forth but the long story short is this uh, this has happened on more than one occasion in our uh, community and I understand that the place and city in which we live uh, I would say the world for that matter to some degree has some type of spiritual activity that's going on in our world today we live in a world that is very much so plagued with uh, not just natural tangible visible problems but there are spiritual problems uh, that is plaguing our world today and I only see uh, from my study of the word that those things will just heighten and increase with intensity as we draw nearer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as scripture says the enemy knows that he has a short time 
He's not ignorant of the timetable. He understands that he has a short period of time. So in essence, he's pulling out all the stops, pulling out all the stops, all the barricades and the barriers and uh, doing to the very fullest of his ability what he can do, amen, to perplex uh, the church and even those that have no dealings or connection to a church. Uh, If they are unsaved and lost, he wants them to remain unsaved and lost, that there would be no glimmer of hope or light that would shine in their life. If they are saved or have any type of light that is associated with them, he wants that light to be concealed. He wants that light to be contained. He doesn't want what takes place inside of the four walls of assembly to exit those four walls and by any means make a connection with somebody that's in need of some light. Amen. To be shed abroad upon their darkened world. And so with that being said today, Brother Mason, we had that occurrence that happened and we were there for quite some time to say the least and and it was about dinner time maybe or lunchtime rather about by the time we were done and I was driving then, I think it was a day after that brother Fred and I was on my way home on a on a lunch hour going home for lunch and I began to ponder some of these things and I felt like the spirit of the Lord impressed my 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 life and uh, not an audible voice but an impression in my life that I heard the voice of God uh, speaking to me and telling me I believe us as a church for this hour that we are looking for revival to come through a typical type of means a revival to happen through a way that in our eyes what we would classify as being the normal way that revival would take place a normal way for revival to happen if I may describe it just a little further I believe we look for revival to be the way that people that don't know God come into the assembly through the back doors exposed to an element of truth believe on that truth come to an altar of prayer they they repent maybe with further instruction of Bible study they'll get baptized in Jesus name and be filled with the Holy Ghost be discipled and become saints sitting on our pews and the church will intensify and grow through a natural means of that type of revival. People just coming in, it happening, it taking place, and everything being well and so. But as I drove in just that five-minute commute across town, I felt the Spirit telling me that Pastor McGee, revival's gonna come in an unconventional way in the last day. An unconventional way in the last hour. Not gonna be the typical just walking into the church doors, having the Lord just just pull up on their heart, going through all the modes of salvation as described in the book of Acts. But we need a church today in the middle of a society where there are churches on every corner and that there are assemblies by number that are increasing by and large, that there must be some point of contingency that separates his church from every other church. There must be some type of truth. It's because there's a lot of churches that have good songs and sing some of the same songs that you and I sing and they have skilled musicians brother Mason that play upon their instruments and they have a form of a service with preaching and lessons and and they have small groups and they have altar call services and tears fall down people's faces in those places and times but there's going to be an unconventional revival in our day I believe that will be predicated by a demonstration of spirit and a demonstration of power because there's one thing you must understand tonight folks there is a great large group of religiosity today that are dismissing a demonstration of the spirit and the power of the spirit but the people that do know their God spoken in the book of Daniel shall be strong and do exploits someone say amen As I peruse scripture, there is something that I notice unequivocally. That revival didn't come in normal revival clothes throughout the gospels in the book of Acts. It didn't come by a typical nature of them having a house meeting, someone entering there with tears coming down their face and God just tugging upon their hearts. But whenever I see revival throughout the gospels and I see revival in the book of Acts, my mind goes back to an upper room experience That's an unconventional revival. 
you see 120 that's gathered in an upper room, that's unconventional. That is not revival in our terms of revival today. Amen. No songs necessarily recorded as being sung, but they were there with prayer and the Spirit of the Lord fell and there appeared in them cloven tongues like as fire that set upon each of them and they experienced the salvation message. It might not be what we expect. It might be unconventional, but it'll still be revival. I consider in the very next chapter, chapter three and chapter four, who would have ever thought that revival would break loose on the outside of the temple with a lame man that was sitting by the gate of the city there, by the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Who would have thought a man of 40 years old that had been lame from his birth would all of a sudden, by the power of God, the demonstration of God, stand up, walk, leap, and it. The Bible says there were multitudes that were added to the church as a result of that. Someone say amen. amen. Our message is right. Amen. The message is right. The doctrine is right. The spirit is right. But what we need today is a demonstration. What we need today is a power. Many times throughout the scripture, somebody was healed. It drew a crowd. When the crowd got there, they preached Jesus to them. A dead man was raised. It drew a crowd. When the crowd got there, they preached Jesus to them. There was somebody that was sick of a bloody flux that somehow dried up. It drew a crowd, and then they preached Jesus to them. Can somebody say, Amen. Amen. When I was saying this, I felt God speaking to me and saying, listen, in your city, in your town, revival's gonna come in an unconventional type manner. It's not just be people walking through the doors, but it's gonna be like has been tested and tried even in the past histories, amen, of our lives that people will hear, amen, of people getting healed at 1121 Cedar Street, that people will hear of unclean spirits being cast out at 1121 Cedar Street. Let me tell you folks there should be enough power of God's spirit in the church that those that are demon possessed on the outside of these doors would be able to walk into the assembly of God and not to be able to leave the same way that they came hear me today well brother McGee uh, that was just something for that time let me tell you I absolutely differ I spoke to you about the spiritual gifts it's the gifts of the spirit and if you believe you still receive the spirit and have the spirit then the gifts that are associated with that spirit are still in action today I see people, well, you know, there's no such thing as unclean spirits or any of that thing taking place today. I beg to differ with you. Amen. In our city and town, I've seen it one too many times of the activity of our adversary. He is still at work. Well, that doesn't happen anymore in the churches. Let me tell you why that does not happen anymore in the churches. It's because the churches are lukewarm enough that those spirits can feel comfortable in those assemblies and in those places. But if you give me a church that's on fire, if you give me a church that's power packed. If you give me a church with demonstration, those things will come in here seeking for deliverance because they know there'll be power in order to execute that. And that might not be revival how we would like it, but I believe that's how God's going to give it. Unconventional revival. Someone say Hallelujah. <laughs> You don't always get to choose the ground that you plant in. Not all ground is created equal. Don't always get to choose the ground that you plant in. The seed that was, the, the man that was sowing the seed, some fell on good ground, some by the wayside, some that was stony, and some that was thorny. Amen. We have a field before us. And I'm not even going to begin to try to describe the ground. But I do believe it is a spiritual wicked seedbed 
from the activity that we have dealt with during our time in this region. And so I don't have choice over the, 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 the character or the integrity of the ground that is set before me. But I still got the seed. And the seed still works on good ground and it works on stony ground and it works on thorny ground to the extent that it can. And so whatever the field is before me of Mount Carmel, I'm just going to have to sow the seed. It might not come to pass the way conventionally it would come to pass. Even so, Lord, give me an unconventional revival in the midst of a land, in the midst of a land, in the midst of soil. God, that may be by all measures different from all the rest. Someone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Talking about unconventional revival. Amen. That took place in the land. I read of them. I read of them. Here in the book of Acts chapter 16. And if you want to talk about other unconventional revival, talk about Cornelius and talk about the apostle. God sending dream and vision to both of them. And then a coinciding of one going to the other's house, preaching the word, and his household was saved. That's not normal. That's not the way that we normally dress up revival, but that's the way it came, and that's the way it happened. And that didn't make it any less of revival than what the Jews or the Samaritans found. Let me go a step further here. If I can just somehow, somehow endorse where we live. When we read in the book of Acts that Philip went to a city called Samaria, the Bible, we understand very clearly, Simon, who was a sorcerer, was one that lived there in the book of Acts. And evidently he was going to a city who had a seedbed of wickedness, a seedbed, if you will, of evil. Amen. Taking place. But he preached the word. He threw the seed. Even in the most, even in the most, Amen. Unbecoming a soil and God gave revival. Was it normal? Was it the way that you think revival ought to come? Maybe not, but it was still revival. If you allow me just for a moment, listen to what the scripture says. Acts 8, Sister McGee. Acts 8 and verse number 5, if you can. The Bible says, Then Philip, Acts 8, 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake look now hearing and seeing the miracles which he did they listened to what he had to say because they had heard and seen what God could do they didn't give ear to the message because of necessarily they were invited they gave ear to the message because of what they had already heard and seen God do through Philip. There's some people you ask nine times and they never come. Some people you may ask and ask and ask and seems like you get rejection after rejection. Let me tell you what will be the difference maker for that same individual. Whenever they see and hear what the power and the demonstration of God is doing here, that will cause a drawing upon them that your common words will have no effect, but the Spirit of God will have effect and draw them. And look now, verse number 7, for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with him and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. Unconventional revival. What are you saying, Brother McGee? I'm saying let the sick come here. Let those that are terminally ill come here. Let the demon possessed come here. Let the drug addict come here. Let those that have no other hope, amen, no other line, no other lifeline, let them come here. Let those that everybody else gave up on, let them come here. Why? Because I believe in the demonstration and the power of God that whenever he heals them of their addiction, whenever he sets the captive free from the demon possession, they'll give ear to the word and say, if it had power to heal my body, it has power to save my soul. Unconventional revival. Someone say yes. Unconventional. Unconventional. And so the story continues. Then the book of Acts, chapter number 16. The story continues there. Because I read in Scripture. 
if we go through the verses around somewhere around verse number 6 of Acts 16 the Bible says that Paul he has this inclination he meant to go to a certain region he is going to go to Galatia the region of Galatia but the Bible says they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia then the Bible says then the Bible says a little later in verse number 7 that they were come to Mysia and they essayed to go into Bithynia but the Spirit suffered them not. Listen to me. Through the mind of Paul his own human reasoning inclination he said Galatia and Bithynia but the Spirit said no or not right now. Paul says Revival in Asia. This is the way it's going to happen. The Spirit said, not now and maybe not never. I'm going to send you to a place. It may not be what you thought it was going to be. It may not be the harvest you thought you was going to get. But I got a place that's ordained that I want you to go. And it may be even classified as an unconventional revival. Amen. Let me tell you something, folks. There are some places that the Holy Ghost will forbid you. Amen. And can I say as a preacher or a ministry or anybody, there are some places that the Holy Ghost will forbid you to preach. And some of those places may never be preached at. Amen. From you. Amen. There may some that never be preached at from you. Uh, other times it may just be for a specified time. What we got to do is follow the leading of the Spirit. Amen. We can sometimes, so many times, get the cart in front of the horse and we're trying to push our own agenda. We're trying to push the way that we see it's going to happen when that's not what God has in mind altogether he has something totally outside of that amen in mind he has a different plan and sometimes we think it can't happen unless it works the way we think it ought to work but I'm here to tell you God's sovereign enough I don't have to have a plan in order for him to work a plan all by himself someone say amen and so Paul then gets a vision in the night. Amen. There's a man from Macedonia that's crying out to him for help. They're needing help from to Macedonia. And Paul felt for sure that that was the will and the spirit of God that was prodding him. And so he makes his way. He passes up Galatia and Asia. He passes up Bithynia because the spirit said no, not there. But whenever he said okay, I feel then there's a call from Macedonia. He essays to go on and the spirit allows him. It doesn't say no. It doesn't say hold up. And the Bible says whenever he gets to that region of Macedonia amen he gets to that region of Philippi which was a part of Macedonia he went to a river by the water and the Bible says as he was there there was prayer that was wont to be made He went where the Spirit said he could go and whenever he got to this place he got to a place where they wanted some prayer they were desirous of some prayer. And so he prayed there with them. And whenever he prayed with them, God opened up the heart, the Bible says, of a woman by the name of Lydia that was from the city of Thyatira, if you will. God had opened her heart to the word of God, the preaching of the word. And before the day had ended, she and her household was, was saved and was baptized. Then it was a place that wanted prayer. Everybody say prayer. In verse 16, the Bible once again speaks of Paul and Silas going to prayer. But they were going to pray whenever prayer wasn't wanted. And the Bible says there was a lady or girl that followed them that had a spirit of divination upon her that followed them and spoke some things concerning them and said these men are servants of the Most High God in verse 17 which shew unto us the way of salvation. Now I want you to understand there was nothing that she said that was not true. What she said was correct. What she said was true. But I get from the scripture how this grief Paul that evidently it was in a sinister or in a mocking type of manner. She said the right thing, but in a sinister or mocking type of manner, enough that it got, if I can say, upon Paul's nerves. He was grieved in his spirit, and he turned around and he rebuked that spirit. And it fled from her. Now look what we got here. Prayer was desired and they prayed and a household was saved. Prayer was made but it wasn't desired and it brought out the evil of the supernatural but it was cast out. 
But then in Acts 25, prayer was made when it wasn't convenient to pray. So we got prayer being made when it was desired, prayer being made when it wasn't desired, and prayer being made when it wasn't convenient to pray. Paul and Silas, they're in their stocks and their bonds in the inner prison as the Bible describes it. But they began to pray and sing praises unto God. And the Bible says as a result of that, there was a great earthquake that took place. And it shook the very foundation of the jail that they were in. And it loosed the doors of their prison cell. And it loosed the doors of the people that were also prisoners around them. Amen. And it affected everybody that heard them. And so man doors are being opened up so we have a household that is saved from prayer that desired to be we had unclean spirits cast out by a prayer that wasn't desired and now we have a prayer in inconvenient times but the bible says the jailer comes forth awakening seemingly out of sleep and he was in fear for his safety and his life because whenever you had prisoners under your care, if they were to escape, your life was demanded as for theirs. If they escaped, you died because they're under your care. So he's afraid for his life. He wants to know if everybody is there. Paul beckons to him, sir, everyone is here. It's okay. All the prisoners are here. And then he asks that question. He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they begin to speak to him about believing on the Lord and you'll be saved. And the Bible continues to say they spoke unto him the word of the Lord and to all them that were in his house. Now look at verse 33. And he took them, that is the jailer, he took Paul and Silas the same hour of the night, watched their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straight way. The Bible in the Jerusalem Bible states it like this, late as it was, he took them to wash their wounds and was baptized then and there with all his household. The Amplified Bible states it like this. I just pulled a few phrases here. It says that he bathed them because of their bloody wounds and he was baptized immediately and all the members of his household. Someone say amen. amen. I started to think about this unconventional revival that was happening in Macedonia. Prayer that was desired prayer that wasn't desired, prayer that was happening during an inconvenient time. And at the, the, the climax of all this, it led them to the water. And now watch, now, the Bible says that the jailer washed Paul and Silas's stripes in that selfsame hour or along the hour of that midnight hour and then immediately or straightway, suddenly in the same time that the jailer and his household were baptized. And so I began to ponder the concept, Sister Sheila. Are you telling me that the same water that the jailer used to wash their stripes was used to baptize them and wash their sin? Hold on with me for a moment. That this same water took care of stripes, lacerations that were put on the back of Paul and Silas that were not self-inflicted, uh-huh. that were imposed on them from someone else, woundings, if you would call them, yeah. afflictions upon them that were not brought upon themselves but by somebody else. And it told me that in an unconventional water, in an unconventional revival, not only can the water cleanse a sinner, but it can cleanse some of the hurts and the wounds that were imposed on you that you didn't even bring on yourself. On. Yeah. Someone say Amen. Uh, someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. And so I believe what is necessary is an unconventional type of revival. Amen. And there's something that I see though, whether it was the upper room, whether it was the lame man at the gate called Beautiful, whether it was Cornelius and the apostle in Acts chapter number 10, or whether it was Paul and Silas here in Acts chapter 16, and the varied other places that we see, as I would call it, unconventional revival breaking out. There is one thing that I see a common denominator to each and every one of these scenarios, and that is prayer was made in the upper room, prayer was made at the gate called Beautiful, prayer 
prayer was made with Cornelius in his house. Prayer was made in Acts 16. And birthed from the prayer, it brought us a great connection to the water that can not only take care of the sin, but can take care of the woundings of people in their past. Someone say amen. Someone say glory. What we need, Brother McGee, we need a demonstration of spirit. And we need a demonstration of power. Amen. The apostle told the New Testament church in the book of Corinthians. He told them, he said, whenever I came to you, I came not with man's wisdom and excellency of speech or anything of that matter. I didn't have that. The excellency of speech or wisdom. He said, I just came with the testimony of God. He said, my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what? In demonstration of the spirit and of power. And why? He said that your faith stand not in the wisdom of men but in the power of God let me tell you I enjoy our Wednesday night Bible studies I enjoy times that we teach on Sunday morning and I believe a great thing that the church needs is teaching but we should not get so much teaching where all we're doing is gaining wisdom and gaining knowledge and that is just the, the stopping point of it all what we need in addition to that coupled with that is a demonstration of spirit and power because we can go out of here with more knowledge of God but not no experience of God. And I'm telling you, the church world today needs more than just a knowledge of him. They need an experience of God. And he'll bring an unconventional revival. I don't attend church because the preacher knows this much or that much. I attend the church because I can experience a dynamic of God's glory. Amen. Unlike anywhere else, thank God for the wisdom of men. But I need the power of God. Because it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit that anything this comes about, amen, or any of this happens. It's not the normal revival. It's an unconventional revival. Someone say hallelujah. hallelujah. Everybody say water. water. Amen. You better believe it. Water that takes care of the wounds that are imposed on you and the wounds, sins, if you will, that are imposed upon yourself. Hallelujah. Prayer is a common, a common denominator among all those things. See, we share a lot of common denominators with religiosity today. There's a lot of common denominators, but there needs to be some factor, amen, that separates us from any other equation, any other fraction. Amen. It's the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. What are you saying? Because our water should be unlike any other water. What are you saying? Because whenever I read in the book of the Bible, the very beginning in Genesis, the book of beginnings, the first recorded place that God's spirit ever moved the first recorded place that God's spirit ever moved was upon the waters someone say amen hallelujah water water is useful for taking care of sins we read in Leviticus chapter number 5 or 15 rather that commonly that if there was an issue that went from someone's body it made other things unclean but if someone touched those things they became unclean and so they could have imposed upon them, if you will, imposed upon them an uncleanliness that they didn't bring upon themselves. And the Bible says in those episodes, that person was to bathe in water. That if someone was afflicted, amen, and they touched something and that person came along and touched the very same thing they had touched, then they should use water for that purification or for that cleansing. Many times through scripture, water is used for cleansing or it's used for washing. It's used for purification. The Bible speaks about the water of separation. There's distinction. There's sanctification that comes by the water. It speaks of different episodes throughout the scriptures when there's a lack of water. That that is a very, very detrimental thing when a person could find no water or there was a lack of water. Amen. We read in the pool of Bethesda. Want to talk about things imposed on your life that you didn't bring on yourself. The pool of Bethesda. The waters would be troubled. If I could say the spirit moved on the waters at the pool of Bethesda and those that were impotent, woundings, stripes, blind, lame, things that were upon them that were not of their own cause. If they could step down into the water, they would be made whole of their affliction. Can someone say amen? amen. Walk with me here. Sister McGee and I, folks, I'm really not trying to overfeed you with scripture here tonight amen but just bear with me uh, of Ezekiel chapter number 47 the Bible says some things there of Ezekiel 47 
and I probably won't read through them all, Sister McGee, but if you can just get, you might start at verse 1 and just increasing your numbers, okay, so that we can jump around a little bit. But whenever I read concerning Ezekiel chapter number 47, what is taking place here is Ezekiel in a vision is starting to follow the trace of some water. The Bible speaks in Zechariah that there would be two branches of water that would flow from Jerusalem. One would go east toward the Dead Sea. The other one would go west toward the Mediterranean Sea. And Ezekiel in this vision in Ezekiel 47 is following the branch that is going east toward the Dead Sea. Amen. And he's following this through the scripture. And the Bible speaks to us that he's seen this water. And I'm just paraphrasing here a little bit tonight. You can read in Ezekiel 47 that he's seen this water coming forth out from under amen the threshold if you will of the temple amen and he goes and tells us how there was an angel that came and met him in verse number three had a line in his hand that was going to measure the water and the bible says he measured a thousand cubits and he brought ezekiel through the water and the waters were to his ankles he measured again and brought ezekiel through the water and the water was to the knees he measured again a thousand and brought him through the water and the water water was to his loins. He measured again a thousand cubits and now the Bible doesn't say anything about him bringing Ezekiel through the water because there was too much water for Ezekiel to be brought through. He could not pass over this trinkling or flourishing of water from the temple had turned into a river. Ezekiel said they were waters to swim in. Listen to me. Whenever Ezekiel begins to describe these waters, he said, whenever I left the bank and started with the angel to measure these waters, he said, and we got to a place where we could not pass through the waters anymore, the angel took me back to the place of origin, the bank from where I come from, and told me to recognize the bank. Because where there was no trees, where there was no vegetation before, now we got trees. Now we got vegetation. Now we got fruit. And he goes on to describe that everywhere the water went it brought life everywhere the water went it brought life he said the water even went down and traveled to the Dead Sea the Dead Sea being one of the saltiest bodies of water in the whole world it's six times saltier than the ocean you ever been in the ocean got a little bit of that in your mouth tastes horrible well you haven't tasted anything till you tasted the Dead Sea you can go out to the Dead Sea and you'll float by no means of your own because of the buoyance of the salt amen making you able and capable of floating amen the Dead Sea has no outlet so it's not moving water. It's stagnant water. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. There's barren land around the Dead Sea because of the impact that it has upon its environment. No living fish, no living thing. But the Bible says, Ezekiel said, this water that flowed from the temple, everywhere it went, it brought life. And whenever it got down to the Dead Sea, a place that has no fish that is alive, it brought life and it brought fish. Listen to you know, what's, you know what Ezekiel was saying? The place that was barren before, the place that was without life before, the water that came from the temple, when it arrived there, it brought life, it brought revival, it brought sustaining power. I'm talking about an unconventional, unconventional, unconventional revival that can reach the places that are barren, that can reach the places without life, without hope, seemingly dead and given up on, that that water can reach that place and bring some life, bring some vitality, bring some, bring some hope place that had no living fish now had living fish in it because of the water that flowed into that area. The Bible even says that fishermen came now to that area. That was not a place known for fishermen. There were no fish. But because the water reached that place it brought life. Life brought fishermen. And the Bible says they were catching every kind. Talking about unconventional revival. Every kind, the Asian, the black, the Spanish, the white. If the water will flow from the tip. How does the water 
How does the water even get there? How does the water even get there? Notice, he says, even around the Dead Sea, I started seeing trees sprout up, and there was fruit upon the trees. And those trees were not just for a moment of time, but they were going to continuously bear fruit. The Bible says that their leaves were not going to fade. And in the leaves of those trees were healings. You want to talk about water that can take care of washing some stripes? And bring life, revival. He says, there's trees now lined up here where there were no trees before and the fruit is good to eat off of them and they're going to continue to produce fruit every month because of the water that's come into this barren land. Now what I want you to understand is this today, folks. In verse number 12 of Ezekiel 47, the Bible states this. There's just a little phrase in there I wish to pick out because it's talking about the trees. It's talking about the fruit. It's talking about the leaf not fading, them having medicinal properties. And the Bible says, because their waters, they issued out of the sanctuary. Now let me back up real quick and just read, if you will, verse 9. Speaking of this water, and it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, wheresoever the rivers shall come, shall live. The waters that come from the sanctuary, any place they go, if there's death, it'll bring life. If it's barren, it'll become fruitful. The waters came from the sanctuary. More importantly, Scripture doesn't even leave it that vague, but becomes a little more detailed in the Scripture. If we would look at it, if I can find it in the Word of the Lord, verse number 1 actually, it becomes a little bit more detailed. Not only was it just the temple or the sanctuary, it became a little bit more detailed where the waters come from. Ezekiel 47 and verse number 1, look at the very last. He said, from the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Altar. A sacrifice, altar of groanings and utterings and prayers. He said the water came from the sanctuary, but in the sanctuary it came from the south side of the altar. What are you talking about? I'm telling you, an unconventional revival only comes by way of the altar. Unconventional revival. That happens in upper rooms. That happened in city gates called beautiful. That happened for Cornelius. That happened in Acts 16 at Macedonia where Paul didn't want to go to begin with. Happened with unconventional prayer. And when there's unconventional praying, there'll be water. They'll take care of sin and take care of washing stripes. Things that have been imposed. Listen to me today, folks, because we're living in a society. People don't just need free from their sin, but they got a lot of woundings from their past people and their past episodes of their past. They're bringing a lot of baggage in our churches that they never brought in in generations previous to this. They're dealing with a lot of hang-ups they never had to deal with before. Dysfunctional families changing the whole concept of marriage. A lot of different things entering the church they never had to deal with before, but there's woundings and stripes, but it's going to take some unconditional prayer to produce some unconventional unconventional water that can take care of both of those needs. Someone say amen. Amen. (laughs) He said the waters are going to be healed. Barren places are going to be fruitful. He says let me tell you something. It's going to affect everything around Jerusalem. Why? Because the temple was the highest point. You always went up to Jerusalem. It's the highest point. And water always has a tendency of flowing downward. If we can get the sanctuary, if we can get the altar to be the fountainhead and the origin, everything on the level below that and around that will be impacted. Somebody hear me right now. From the water that flows from the house of 
God, they will be healed. They will be revived. If you read concerning this water, it did just that. It healed, it revived, and it brought fruit, amen, to things that were otherwise concerned not fruitful. But it takes an altar. Christ, in his last hours, strung upon the tree, the cross, that you can very easily parallel with an altar, the place of sacrifice, even prayers that were issued forth from there by his own lips, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> and that unconventional altar and those unconventional prayers when the soldiers come by are at that stage now in time of crucifix for them to break the legs of the criminals so they could have no more ability to push up on their legs to gasp for air. Now they're going to go along and do that to the criminals, the two that were on the other side of the Lord. But when they come to the Lord, he's already dead. No bone in his body was broken just as the psalmist David spoke. Amen. They didn't have to do that. Why? Because then a soldier takes a spear, thrushes it through his side, and what comes out? Water? And blood because of an uh, unconventional altar. Amen. An unconventional prayer there gave birth to an unconventional water that could take care of stripes, woundings that were imposed on humanity and their sin. Revival's not always dressed like we think revival should or ought to be dressed, but it makes it no less revival. Bible said in verse 11 and I'm going long sorry apologies amen thank you appreciate it amen the Bible spoke of the miry places in verse 11 it spoke of the marshes it says they won't be healed but there's a reason why not because the water can't get to them but because they give themselves to salt rather than to the water so there'll be some places that it will not penetrate not because the power or the stringency of the water isn't true but because they rather give themselves to the salt than they would the water someone say amen you'll stand with me and I'll come to a close Fish now are there. Fishermen are present. It's been nothing like this, but they've never had a water like this that came down the pike. He meant to do what the water was doing. And so we need, as the early church, a confirmation of his word with signs following. Not for credence, not giving credence to us, but to him. needs to be something a validation of his power and his glory because that's what will set the church apart from any other church you have programs every other church you have songs every other church you have ministry at every other church it's fine and grand but what we need is a demonstration of spirit a demonstration of spirit and a demonstration of power what is that brother McGee that's people that receive healing receive tangible, visible miracles. That's people that are tormented with, with unclean spirits leaving made clean of those unclean spirits. Listen, folks. This is not something that is peculiar. In the years of the existence of this church, we have seen just that. Unclean spirits cast out of people. How in the world did that happen? A demonstration of His Spirit and of his power I guarantee you if you're around and you witness something like that you're going to give ear you're going to give ear to what is said in addition to that I guarantee you if you have a family member that comes in here struggling with something that there is no means or medical means by which it can be taken care of and through a process of time they're healed of that I guarantee you there's going to be someone given an ear.
So we can't choose the ground. But we got to do what we can do with the ground that we have. And so, Bishop, if that means there's going to be other calls and times that we go and we do, and I perceive that there probably will be, then we'll go and we'll do. Because whenever we left that setting the other day, and the other company that I didn't know was coming left, there were two of those girls that said, I don't, you know, nothing wrong with them, but there's just something different about you two. Well, it wasn't charisma. It wasn't because we had a good personality, although Bishop has a pretty good one. It was the power and the demonstration of the Lord. Because we did a lot of hashing and rehashing, and I just kind of called things to order. I said, well, why don't we just come and do what we said we was going to come to do, and let's pray in so many words. And so someone spoke up and said, well, if you'll lead us in prayer, and then we'll do this. I said, I'll tell you what. And, folks, you just would have had to have been there. I said, uh, you know, I don't you know, necessarily care who's going to lead in prayer, but whoever's praying, I said, I'm going to pray. I said, nope, you know, and I said, I don't need nobody to lead me in prayer. You hear me? God gave me a voice, and I'm not working through a veil anymore. I can approach him and talk to him all by myself. No matter who's praying, I'm going to pray. And I'm not doing it. Now I lay me down to sleep, and I'm not doing something that is rehearsed. We'll speak to the darkness. Some believe that that's no longer there. I hope to God that they better have the Holy Ghost because they might have a visitation. What do you say? We need a demonstration of power. Before I left, one of them in particular was wanting to know where our church was and what our service times was and so on and so forth. Why? They're looking for something outside of just the norm. They're looking... While we need to be looking for an unconventional revival, there's somebody that's looking for an unconventional church. An unconventional revival's paired with an unconventional church. So please don't try to press yourself in the mode of the status quo around you. Somebody hear me. Because it's very easy to get set in an environment or in a place in our city and just try to go with whatever the flow is, the ebb and the flow, whatever is happening, whatever is the to-do or in fad thing to do at the time because that's what everybody else is doing. Listen, forget it. God never called the New Testament church to go with the flow. He had them to set the flow. I'm not a trend follower. I'm a trend setter. Somebody hear me right now? Well, but they got this and they got that. Who cares? I might have a demonstration of spirit and power and that trumps all that other garbage any day that can be organized by a hand of a man. An unconventional, unconventional revival. What are you calling this to, Brother McGee? And please, please, I say this and I know we'll say it and we'll say it and we'll say it and so I'm going to say it, say it, say it again. Get back to your altar. Get back to your altar in an unconventional way because there'll be something produced from that that will flow to dead areas that will bring life and bring healing and bring fruit. That will produce every kind of fish imaginable for harvesting. Hallelujah. Can we bow our heads in this place as the Masons prepare something tonight? I wish as a church this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.